Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And just like that, the 2021 NRL Premiership has been decided. The Penrith Panthers, the premiers of this year's competition, falling you know, just just short last year in 2020, which was a very, very hard year. Another hard year this year. Back up to Queensland, COVID bubble, lots of injuries, origin conditions, uh, losing players and busted at the back end and going the long way around in the finals, but a well-deserved premiership box head. They did the uh, hard way, right? Yeah. But an unbelievable performance nonetheless. They certainly earned it, that's for sure. No doubt about it. And South Sydney are to be commended as well. Uh, only four losses during the regular season against the Storm and the Panthers. That was the big question. Could they do it against the good teams? They seem focused on their attack, not their defence. But week one of the finals, they turned up and showed that they had flipped the switch. They were ready to defend, absorb and play an 80-minute game, even with the loss of Luttrell. Um, they dominated week three when they played Manly, blew them off the park. And last night again, uh, they were under the gun, less possession, less territory, Constantly under pressure by Penner if their back three were bombarded, but they just refused to go away. It's quite incredible what they've achieved without Latrell. It, it's unbelievable. Like, they're essentially an intercept away from going right down to the wire. Like, that game still went down to the wire last night. But I mean, you take the intercept away, and yeah, it's, it's probably the, the, the player that, that decided the match. Um, but other than that, despite you know losing run, losing in a lot of key areas like run meters, kick meters, possession, completion rate, territory, they they got out done in all those areas. But yet somehow found a way to be you know Adam Reynolds' conversion and probably an, an intercept away from winning the comp. I think the other um, incredible and. Yeah, they created more line. Yeah, they created more line breaks as well. They had four line breaks to Penrith yeah. too. Oh, look, I, I thought their their attack looked far more potent, but they just didn't have the field position. I will say one thing for Penrith. I kept saying all week that I was wary of Southend in particular, just because of Penrith's health. But I think the way that Ivan used his bench and the minutes of some of the players probably spoke to that. Like I know Edwards, it's now been revealed, it's had a broken foot for a month, which is absolutely incredible, but. You could see that Fisher-Harris was a bit hampered. They had him off for a huge period of time. Laota had a couple of short stints, like for that calf. Um, I thought they really, really underused their middle, but they must have, you know, like you said, had to have a bit of a counter on it because, like, when you put Tyra May on and Sorensen had all those guys sort of run around, I was a little bit worried about the way they were using them. That's the grand final, isn't it? Like, it's the grand finals of Melbourne Cup. It's it's that last 200 metres of the Melbourne Cup, yeah. You're not at your best. You don't have your best. You're not fully fit. But it's just that war of attrition. And, you know, you just cannot fold the effort, the toughness of both sides. It was an incredible and enduring game. And it's a pity there had to be a winner or a loser because it was it was that tight. Like, it, 
that really wasn't an ice agent. It was probably was, you know, that, that conversion kick, the drop goal attempt from Reynolds and, and that intercept, which is huge. Um, and it decided, you know, who was wearing rings and who wasn't. 100%. And I think uh, for South as well, that play, um, you've got to give credit to Stephen Crichton. It was a 3v2. The numbers were created. He either had to land on the man, get the ball, do something. He, he took the, the big risk. He pushed his chips all in. He put himself in position to take that pass. And if he doesn't take it, I, I, I dare say Alex Johnson's probably heading the other way. Yeah, uh, but I, I think you've also got to give Momorowski credit because Momorowski didn't bite in as well. They both sort of, they knew they had grass behind them. So they didn't quite turn out defensively, but they didn't rush in and they sort of bent away and retreated slightly to allow Walker to make the play. And the unbelievable thing and, you know, the, the defensive technique from Stephen Crichton to still be able to, I've got no doubt he would have been able to make a tackle on Dan Gagai, but also to have the presence of mind that, and they would have done a lot of video on, you know, what Walker likes to do in that situation. He does love that cutout to not only fake Walker into throwing the long ball and then having the athleticism to not only come forward while you're, you're backpedalling and then to have the skill to catch it and then, you know, go 50 or 60 or however long he went. That's just an incredible piece of intelligence, uh, technique and, and skill all rolled into one. And Yeah, again, it was, you know, Penrith defence. They were number one all year and it was a defensive play that ended up winning them the competition I think that was yeah very um, very apt and, and a representation of the team that they are well it's probably fitting given the last three games and obviously week one against South where they even struggled but the week two game against Parramatta struggled with their attack 8-6 win struggled against Melbourne despite again extra possession all the errors that Melbourne gave in position 10-6, and then, like we said last night, just gluts of possession, five dropouts to none, all that ball inside 20, but at the end of the day, it was their defence that got the job done. Yeah, yeah, despite, um, as you said, conceding more line breaks. Yeah. The missed tackle count was something unbelievable. It was like 60... 59, plus... I think Penrith had 60, 60 missed tackles. Mm, South you know, tackle breaks, South had... Uh, what yeah, a stack of tackle breaks um, so we spoke about it in the preview it was, it's not so much their defensive technique they're not great in the wrestle Penrith, but, but they just scramble so well um, and it's yeah not, not so much the individual one on one technique it's the it's the system that they have the connection the communication and the scramble that, yeah, wow, well, and just to do it, like you said, three weeks in a row in really tough, gritty matches that went right down to the wire. Like, none of those games were decided until, you know, the 80th minute. So it's, it's quite incredible. And, you know, everyone kept expecting them to fall over and, oh, you know, it's going to catch up to them, it's going to catch up to them. Well, it didn't. And they're the first side, you know, since the Cowboys, who were an unbelievable team to go the long way around the mountain. But the Cowboys didn't have matches like that. No, no way. But I think the game after that... Um, that a hard game against Brisbane week the one. Cowboys, uh, the Cowboys smashed someone by 30, I think. Um, and then knocked off, I think, Cronulla 
maybe in the prelim. I don't think I'll have a look at it, but I, I know for a fact that that second week where, you know, if you compare where Penrith played Parramatta and had that drag out game, the Cowboys in 2015 had a had a blowout match. I'm not sure who it was against, but yeah, I, I think it was Melbourne. It was 34-0 or something like that. They beat Melbourne in the prelim in Melbourne. That... Melbourne was the prelim. I'm talking about the week two game. Yeah, but they belled at Melbourne too. We were we went week one when Melbourne rolled the Roosters, who were first. And that was when Munster was fullback, I'm pretty sure, if I've got my years right, and they rolled the Roosters. I'm going to have a look now, so let's keep talking. But, yeah. Um, that aside, let's get into the game um, and do a little bit through it and do our review of the game and then we'll jump in and uh, review the season of both Panthers and Souths and then after this show we have one more uh, which is our awards and uh, just wrapping things up I guess and then in the off season we might look to they um, they beat Cronulla they beat Cronulla 39-0 in week 2 and then beat Melbourne at Amy Park in the prelim 32-12 yeah I remember it because after losing after losing in week one to Brisbane, 16-12. Yeah, Corabetti punched somebody. So, yeah, they, had, they had two fairly comfortable results leading into the grand final. So Yeah, and health-wise, they had nowhere near, the, obviously, the issues that Penrith had. And one of the big reasons I remember that, like I said before, uh, Marika Corabetti in that game after we rolled the Roosters week one, I think he punched somebody like with 20 to go and got Sinbin, which we were already... Starting to fall behind, Melbourne made it ugly for maybe fifty minutes. But after that sin bin, uh, the Cowboys just ran all over us. Yeah. So they. Uh, so that's, that's really the only the last comparison that we've got. So yeah, the Panthers certainly did it. Um, yeah, the the tough way. It's unbelievable. Mm. And then credit to South, like we said on the flip side, they didn't have the injuries and issues uh, of the Penrith side of things, but they were written off once Latrell, you know, was. Taken out of yeah, the equation. Yeah, they're, they're, they're most potent attacking player, wasn't there? Mm, and they turned themselves into your typical Wayne Bennett team, which is not really the way we identified with them during the year. We identified them as this team that attacked for 25, 30 minutes, blew you off the park and would switch off in big gluts, but it just didn't matter. But they turned into this defensive juggernaut, win at all costs, kick, um, you know, sort of that Penrith type of mould of style of game. And when they got their opportunities, they, yeah. they took them and um, I, it was super impressive what they did. Or I, I didn't envision what happened during the final series happening. It was it was great to watch. It was one of the best final series I can remember. I know there was a couple of blowouts throughout it, but the few upsets and few of the results in some of those games, particularly Penrith ones, uh, were all very good and, and a good advertisement for the game of rugby league, in my opinion. Yeah, fantastic final series. Um... Yeah, can't give enough credit to, to all the teams. It was um, really, really entertaining. and uh, Yeah, credit, just credit to all the teams. But, yeah, it's one of the great coaching performances from Wayne Bennett. I, I don't care that they didn't win the comp. To make that team relevant, you know, the, the wide opinion, and, you know, we were sort of of that opinion as well, that once they lost the trail, they were, they were no chance. Mate, they were... They were every chance of winning the winning the premiership, which is quite astonishing. Uh, yeah, you can judge them based on the result. In you know, people are entitled to do that, but you can also judge them based on the performance. And their performance since that point in time has been uh, incredible. Yep, hundred percent agree to there. Let's jump in and review this game a bit more in depth. First half. Um, 
and obviously lineups for Penrith, all those concerns. We knew they were going to play. It was just a matter of if they would last the game. And the crazy news to come out afterwards about Edwards' broken foot for like the last month. He was huge. Shoulder reconstruction for Nathan. We knew it was on the cards, but um, it's in a terrible state. He's going to miss at least six months, so he'll probably miss the start of next year. Fisher-Harris, the, the medial, he was busted, laid out his calf. There was a lot of guys there, but obviously... Um, they got their 1-17 to on the field. They did the, the Martin kick-out swap again, which, again, I'm not a big fan of, but he's gone with it. He did it again. Um, and for South Sydney, 1-17, to the only real concern that we had was Reynolds, and no surprise, the nine-day turnaround, the easiest sort of game the week before. He didn't kick. Um, he, we, we said it was going to be critical that he got to kick, and obviously he did in the game, and he was a huge reason with his kicking game. They stayed in, but as far as like key moments from the first half, I've, I've got one from the kickoff, which was... Cameron Murray has that collision with Fisher-Harris, never leaves the field, um, and ha- ends up having an absolute whale. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, like, how does that happen? How does he not go off the field? I don't know, but he had a whale of a game. I'll, I'll give him that, because I thought he was done. The way he was down... Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. But, you know, Pedrith have been bashed, barged, pillaged for weeks about, you know, rule, the rules and et cetera, et cetera, but nothing's been said about that. Well, that was disgraceful. He was he was wobbly as all hell and didn't go off the field in the grand final. So, I mean, the NRL can bang on about concussion all they want, but you are what you are. And on the biggest stage of the biggest game, we had a bloke clearly knocked out or suffering um, symptoms of concussion or at least a head injury, wobbles out of a tackle, almost falls over, is wobbling throughout that entire defensive set, doesn't come off the field. So... In the end, you can talk about uh, player welfare, but you are what you do on the biggest stage, and you are what you do week to week. And we're just we're just not quite there yet with our concussion protocol. Um, and you know, they lost Jai Arrow as well, who had delayed symptoms. And credit to Jai Arrow for actually being honest about his symptoms, and it hurts us for him not to have a big impact on the game, but. Yeah, it was frustrating for me to, to watch that. And you think that we just pick and choose what fights we want to have about concussion. Anyway, I don't want to get sidetracked by it, but it, yeah, it was just unbelievable that an independent, they're supposed to have an independent doctor in the stands watching it. How how that person didn't say Cam Murray has to come off the field, it just is astonishing to me. Mm. Well, it's one of those ones, like you said, it was missed, but uh, in commentary, they picked it, a lot of people picked it. Um, by the looks of things, again, I'm not saying he would have passed or he wouldn't have passed, but he went on to play a hell of a game. So, um, for his sake, he got through that. But yeah, no, no, I'm just saying that he's, you know, from from moment one, I thought this would be huge for the same reasons you've just said. If he goes off and he fails, to lose Cameron Murray, but it's not picked up. He doesn't get taken off. He ends up having a huge game. But like from moment one, to have that happen off the kickoff, I was like, dear lord, this is that's huge. But um, he obviously comes through that not long after it we have a huge play straight away again Jerome Luai uh, a challenge like first set I'm blown away thinking well, well that's confident uh, it, it turns out to be the right call he never loses the football and you question what the referee saw um, but yeah huge to to put it on the line there when they've rolled downfield so easily it's play five and you, you throw out a challenge first minute basically in a grand final thinking well yeah, no I, look, I, I didn't think Sutton had a great game um, but I, I didn't think there was huge blunders. That was one, obviously, that was corrected by the challenge. Uh, I think he got the charge down one 
right. There was one there late where they were saying that Cleary touched it when Walker the footy. No, he didn't touch it. Proven that he didn't touch it. So I, he didn't. He didn't influence the game. The result of the game. Look, I thought the ten metres was skinny, and he allowed a shitload to go in the ruck. I thought he was very picky and choosy about when he gave set restarts. But otherwise, yeah, I think for the most part, he stayed out of the way. Is how I would describe it. Um, which is, you know, what we what we want. But I, I do think we could have had a probably a better offensive spectacle with with a little bit tighter refereeing. But I'm not going to be too critical of, of his performance. I think for the most part, you know, the critical calls he got them right. Any ones that he didn't were challenged and overturned. So, yeah, all in all, I, I think we have to commend the referee, um, Jared Sutton, because he, he didn't impact the result at all. So, that, and I guess that's what we want from our officials. Mm-hmm. Uh, they channeled straight away Penrith to that left hand side no surprise get, trying to get Campbell Graham get at Reynolds get some traffic um, the theme of the night would start basically from there after the challenge Cleary just perfect so many times dropping it right on the goal line making the kicker come forward or catching a couple of metres out uh, dragged back in a couple of times there the kick chases were outstanding Momorowski in particular on the first few kicks his intent was great and it ends up early on for Penrith turning into two or three repeat sets and you're sitting there straight away just going, wow, like they're under pressure here and something's got to give. And uh, Mark Nichols comes up with a huge play after they've defended three sets. I think it's Fisher-Harris. He gets a one-on-one rake and gets the ball back after they look like they're under the gun and Penrith looking to score early. I thought that was a huge moment. It was massive, yeah, massive, massive, because they withstood so much pressure, hadn't they? come up with duck egg essentially yeah it was a big play by someone who's obviously come up and leaps and bounds and and it flipped the field for them because once they got that they rolled down they got their first sort of kick in decent field position Reynolds drops it on a dime similar to what uh, Cleary did for the most night he he was kicking more for territory and off the back foot he didn't get to put as many attacking kicks in but they flip it the other way and spend the next few sets applying pressure back and we have another moment where we see Dane Gagai come flying out of the line and try and iron out Paul Momorowski and the way he reeled out, same deal. I'm very surprised he passed his HAA, but that was another big moment where, again, you're sitting there going... If yeah, Murray, he went off and had one. Yeah, I know that, but you're sitting there going from, from Murray to that, like, that's just not what you want in the first 10 minutes of a grand final, that's for sure, but... No. Um, he goes no, a couple... That, that's just that, you know, that big game intent with his D, but, yeah, technique-wise... Murray's one was nothing wrong with his techniques. Like, it sort of... Just the head close. ...bumped into him. But, yeah, the Gagai one was a bit concerning. Like, it was pretty loose technique, but it just highlighted the aggression that he wanted to, you know, to impart on the game. I think the only worry about that, too, after Penrith applied that pressure early on, couldn't come up with a whole lot in attack, and obviously, like, we knew they would want to get at that left-hand edge, like we said, and attack Campbell, Graham and Reynolds. South shifted that set for the first time and went straight around the outside of Burton and Toto the first opportunity they got so thought that was a little bit of a, a warning yeah. shot but Penrith as we said obviously scrambled really well weren't in danger because they had grass behind them but just thought uh, yeah after the first few sets they had it's not ideal when you get passed around straight away but South's uh, shift shapes as we know always very good the link play Cook service, I thought, and the way that Reynolds and Cody link up. Kalamatungi, also another one who was linking up, not just Murray as that link man. I thought uh, he was good in that sort of role. But, yeah, after they flipped the field and started uh, applying the pressure the other way, 
I thought Penrith showed exactly what we said at the start, the difference in the game, why both the sevens kick so well. I just thought their back three were superior as opposed to uh, the South back three. And Edwards, you know, like we said, why he plays a completely different sort of fullback role to what a lot of teams ask of their one. The one thing he does do is get their sets going. He, he was chewing 15, 20-plus metres every time. He put Toto straight onto the ball. Crichton, at the end of the year, the way they kind of flipped that, and in particular with the injuries, was almost like an added bonus to have him coming out of the backfield. Like, the, the three options they had out of their backfield were massive for Penrith. Yeah, look, the back there were great, and but it was I think it was as much about kick pressure, and it was pretty clear that Reynolds was going to do the majority of the kicking, and from that point, Penrith just applied relentless kick pressure, and it was uh, it had a huge impact. And look, South did, did an okay job on Cleary, not as good as what I think Penrith did on Reynolds, but. No, like Nathan was still pinpoint with his kick, so you can talk about the back three all you want, but it's as much about you know the, where the back three is catching the ball, and for the most part, South were just catching, and as soon as they caught, they were getting hit. Whereas you know Penrith was sort of catching and then being able to come forward, so that that obviously plays a huge part in you know how your dummy half runners can get out and attack. But look, Brian Tullow had. What, almost over 200 running metres and the next closest or the, the best for South was um, Burgess who had you know I think 140 so it just highlights you know he's got a dodgy ankle but what he gives Penrith out of the backfield was nothing short of unbelievable and you know the, the kicking game where Cleary was able to generate repeat sets and just his pinpoint accuracy with his kicking was was Overall, when you look at the body of the game, that's really what decided it because that was what was um, determining field position. Mm, well, again, and the lack of field position is why that you know, and like you said before, South's attack was brilliant, but it's very, very difficult to score when you got a long field. And we spoke about that in the preview as well about you know which team would be able to get into that grind and cycle and relentlessly just put their put the other team in the box and you know Nathan. And, uh, you know, Jerome did a little bit of kicking, but Walker did next to no kicking. But the job that, that Nathan did in just relentlessly putting it in those areas and, you know, forcing errors. Taff had a, had a fumble, which resulted in a, in a, set, uh, a goal line dropout. Uh, Paulo had that one where it was knocked out by kick-out on contact that resulted in a goal line dropout. So that's what I'm talking about, about the fact that Penrith kicks a lot of the time, they were able to land on the um, on the kick and you know, essentially bomb and bash South where Penrith weren't under as much pressure both kicking but also catching, which I think played a played a huge part. Mm. And you talk about back three work before uh, South back five combined for I think about 73, 74 runs and about almost six hundred metres when you add it all together, but the back three alone from Penrith, not including Momorowski and Burton's work, Edwards, 24 carries, Toto, 29 carries, Crichton, 17 carries, like, what's that, 50, 59? Like, they've almost had as many carries between the back three, and those guys, yeah. went, those guys went for 240, 230, 210. Like, that's yeah. huge. And like you said, I know that I still give Reynolds a rap, though. Like you said, under pressure, the way he kicked... 
I know they got to run back, but I still thought they did a pretty good job getting Penrith a lot of the time, you know, considering the circumstances. And he come up with a few really good ones under pressure. There was one kick in particular. No, I'm not saying he, I'm not saying he kicked poorly. That, no, that, that's I'm not, not saying you're saying that. I'm making... But when you actually watch the game, watch how... Watch the influence that the kick pressure had in terms of catching and coming forward and then catching and being tackled. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. Because that's, that's... You can talk about run metres all you want, but if you don't know why the run metres are the way they are, then, you know, it's a pointless stat. Yeah. So it's sort of that qualitative data, not just quantity, not just numbers. Mm. And he kicked well, having to kick out of travel. That was more the point I'm making. Like he yeah. off the back foot, nine times out of ten. He, if he well, didn't. What's more incredible is that Nathan Cleary had more kick meters despite having Penrith consistently having better field position. That tells you how accurate his kicking game was. Mm. His kicking was outstanding. But, uh, there was one from Reynolds in particular, a dummy half kick. But they had a poor set, and I think it was Cook took a, a late scoot, which sort of saved it. He jumped in dummy half himself, hopped over, and it was a right foot, right corridor kick, which is just a no-no in anyone's language. And it, it was almost a 40-20 like he kicked in that finals game. He put Edwards all the way down to the in goal where he had to tap it back in field. So, um, yeah, it was, but, a, it was a beautiful kick. Like we said, different kicking circumstances, but given the platform they were given to work off, I thought both halves uh, obviously kicked very well, but... Um, another key moment probably going back a little bit I thought Luai early on that drop ball in yardage uh, I think that was a 50-50 could have gone either way I didn't see a replay but I thought live it looked like he dropped it in my opinion but again they didn't show a replay so we move on from that one but that one could have been one of those first opportunities Um, those dropouts we talk about Penrith get back down there again and finally a bit of what you talked about in the preview pays off they get Play five after you know just struggling to set up too many crash players. They didn't really jump into their shapes. They were trying to load up like loaded short sides and running in traffic. Almost put Toto over the sideline a couple of times, but they get Campbell Graham in field, basically parked in front of Adam Reynolds. It was a horrible read, and Burton crashes through after all that pressure. They finally got some points. Yeah, and like I highlighted that that I wanted to say, probably. You know, if they're going to rush Cleary, then to have that little bit of run shape there, which was which was nice to see. Uh, but the defence there from Campbell Graham is just unforgivable. To get so far in field and in front of Adam Reynolds, like there was either no communication there, which is unforgivable from that whole edge, or he's gone rogue and has gone out of the system. And I'm probably going to give Paulo a little bit of a kick up the ass as well because, you know, I, I know that. Campbell Graham made the wrong call to come in, but you can't stay out. Once you're in, inside man jams in like that, you have to then land on the pass with Burton. And if you go back and have a look at the first week semi-final, there was a still that I put up when we spoke about in the preview where Paulo actually shuts the play down, which is almost identical. Graham comes in, Burton gets the ball, but Paulo's able to snuff it out before Burton could get the ball out the top. But on this occasion, he sort of goes to not no man's land, but he holds back, doesn't follow Graham in, and Burton just essentially just waltzes through and, and scores. It was really, really good coaching. It was great to see him run the ball on, on last tackle and, you know, it generated their only try of the first half. Mm, the best thing, they did it consistently. They went on play five a few times and turned it over only a couple metres out. They didn't give away seven tackles if they went on the last, which I have no problem with if you're going to go for it, at least try to score and hand it over a metre or two out, but that was one of the occasions they did, and 
probably more impressively, like we said, after those few repeat sets where they'd got some goal line dropouts and particularly the really good effort when Burton uh, dragged Taft back in, which is the one I think just before the try, the set was going nowhere. Like, Cleary had a run. There was a couple of hit-ups. Chorus there had a scoot. It just looked like nothing was doing. Um, then play five, obviously, like we said, that tendency from Campbell Graham to creep in, basically parks himself in front of Adam Reynolds and they get full advantage. But again, off the back of all that pressure and field position, it's got to pay. And uh, they really needed it and they got it there. So it was a good moment. Got them to the 6-0 position. But uh, off the back of that, yeah, I think, again, you just saw early on the work they were getting out of their backfield, the way they were chewing up the metres. Isaiah Yo, um, another guy who I thought was right in the, the mix for the Clive Churchill. So busy the way he works through the middle whether he's running or got guys off him. There was a few moments where it was frustrating watching him. And again, I know they were busted and they're tired and they went the long way around, but it almost seemed at times because of that, there was moments where he was looking for push or looking for things off him and it, it, it just wasn't coming. Yeah, that's fair. So uh, there was a moment particularly in the second half where he blew up about it. But um, yeah, they continue to apply pressure. And I think for South real critical moment after they'd been under the pump was when they got their rotation on at the 20th minute. You got Tom, you got Arrow. Bird just made an instant impact. And poor J.R. again, big moment in the game. First run gets chopped down. It was going to be a penalty regardless because Luai stripped the ball, but uh, unfortunately cops that hit from kick out on the way down. I, I don't think he, he didn't do it on purpose. It's one of those awkward ones again in fast motion that just sort of happened, but um, that was the beginning of the end of his night. I know, I know he passed initially and got back on the field and played 10 to 15 minutes, but in terms of the way they like to use their rotation, there's a heavy reliance on Arrow and Tom, and um, it, you know it, it certainly hurt, but that moment uh, w- was big in the scheme of things. <laughs> and that's, that's one where I, like, I wouldn't really have an issue with them being able to activate their 18th man. Like, it's fair play, yeah. Because they've Hey. Technically, it's foul play, so yeah, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, yeah. but I guess yeah, he had the. It's hard for South to, like you said, yeah, just it really, really hurts their middle rotation. Uh, and uh, look, I also understand the concerns of the game, and you know, a lot of people will bring up and say, well, you know, it'll be taken you know, advantage of, but. You just see the impact it has on a team through no fault of their own in a, on a huge stage. Mm. Well, I said it to you. I don't... For an origin player, like he's, he's an origin player. He's not a mug. So, yeah, it's, yeah, they really, really missed his work ethic and his impact. Mm. And he's been really good during those games. But I've said it to you yep. even before. I, I'm not a fan of it having to be, you know, three HAAs or foul play. Like, to me, if you... If, if three guys go down regardless of whether it's foul play or HR, like, it shouldn't even take that much. I reckon the first time you lose no. one, you, you should get your 18th man. Like, we had yeah, just, foul play in particular. We had that game, was it Parent Sharks during the year, like where it all got brought in. And, and watching a game like that, like it's just ridiculous. And like people say, oh, it's yeah, che- cheating. Was that game and they, were, they were just out on their feet. Yeah, and that's, that's a bigger issue for player welfare, just as much when you've got guys playing minutes, ridiculous minutes that they never used to play in. But like, Let's look at their 18th man. It's Pat Mago. He barely played during the year. You really think they're trying to find a way to sneak Pat Mago onto the field? Yeah, well, that was a big argument, particularly oh. you know, from some vocal people um, in in the media who were saying, oh, you know, like, they'll, they'll stash players as their 18th man. Like, it's the most fucking ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> not, not, not many people 
have a 17 they look at every week and go, I can trust all these guys. Some teams are very lucky to have 13, 14 really good players and then one or two that are more reliable than the other, you know, back end. But we've got some teams in the comp, like, look at the team like the Bulldogs. You think the Bulldogs are hiding an 18th man? You think some teams at the bottom end are hiding? Well, the fact is, no one is. Exactly. No, no one is. It's a ridiculous argument. And, but, you know, they, they got hurt. The screen allowed us to, you know, far too often you get hurt. So. Hmm. Well, this moment turns out to be pivotal because not only does Arrow go down, it's a penalty. They flip the field after being under pressure. They kick down off the penalty, and this is what leads to the try and is one of the moments where we saw a lot of missed tackles. They ran a lot of traffic, like we said, um, at that space, trying to get to the right edge at Momorowski. But in this case, they catch Catewell and Cleary turned out and backpedaling. And Cody Walker, just nice. Well, they didn't, they didn't catch Catewell because it's not Catewell's tackle to make. No, it's Cleary's they, inside shoulder. Cleary sort, of, Cleary sort of bent away, hoping that Catewell would get there. But that's, that's Catewell's outside shoulder. That's not his space. That's Cleary's space. So... You know, and then for the feeble attempted at tackle, like that was poor from Nathan, and he'd be his harshest critic there. Yeah, there you go. Um, it was just, just wasn't good enough. But then on the back of that, the scramble, Walker beats, you know, three or four. So yeah, Edwards. And it was just poor, poor for patterns. Like, um, you, you, you don't see it very often, but, you know, we need to criticise when, um, you know, it's justified. And that, that wasn't wasn't uh, up to Penrith's standard with their, with their defence or Nathan's defence. Like, even with all his injuries with his shoulder, he still defended tremendously. And I heard him actually after the game, so it was just, well, it might have been half time. So, you know, the only reason they got back in the game was because of poor defence from me. So, mm. yeah, and that's good accountability, and he's, he's right. Again, it was one of those nice long shifts where we see the halves link up. Kalama Tungi, as I said, um, some of his link play helping out Murray there in that regard. He's really come on as the year goes. But in terms of the pressure they built, repeat sets, Finally getting a try, the first thing they get off the back of it, penalty, flip the field, straight into good ball, and, yeah, first play of, of all people, it was unfortunately Nathan. Um, and, yeah, when he got through the line, Cody Walker, Dylan Edwards, I know his foot's busted. He really struggled to change direction. There was no inside chase besides Kate Wells' one. I think Yo was close to the scene. But overall, at that point, I was just like, wow, like, they've dominated every single facet of the game so far. They got that try, and then basically instantly, um, Souths get one opportunity. Fine point. So twenty one minutes gone, we're we're six all. But also, good setup play by Souths because why they didn't have a lot of good field position, they sort of worked towards that. They were playing short to Kalo and Matangi, doing what we were talking about, crashing the halves, putting pressure on the halves, and they were sort of setting them up for that sort of play where they finally went outside and, and found a half and sort of caught them backpedaling. Yeah, it was actually. The fact that they weren't in goal line, Penrith actually worked for South because if they're in goal line there, then Cleary just comes up and probably smashes Walker. But because they sort of had grass behind and Penrith held and backpedal, which opened up that space, and was yeah, it was good play, well executed. Hmm. Well, on the back of that, a uh, little bit of love for South finally get a bit of momentum there. They start to play a little bit, and then. Um, off the back of a play the ball and they were sort of running late they catch Catewell again a bit flat uh, Reynolds puts up a bomb scrambling with kick pressure and White looked to be good to start with it just taken by Edwards for a seven tackle set and after a couple of sets on the back of points and looking like they were starting to uh, nose their way in a little bit that just released the pressure valve for Penrith who went back to Massively. doing exactly what they were doing before which is 
obviously get out of yardage pretty easily. And um, they credit to them, much like South, probably didn't have to absorb as much inside their yardage. But when they did, they certainly took their licks. Toto and Edwards, Critter, they were very tough in their carries, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, they were. Yeah, that, that, that moment certainly didn't help. And Kalal Matungi, again, I thought his efforts, uh, in particular when they got down in yardage and the way they were trying to tackle, he was outstanding. Um, he tried to light up a few blokes multiple times and at a critical moment there, they had Gagai come back onto the field just before that. They got Arrow back. Obviously, he got the delayed symptoms at the 25th, so at a real critical stage, not only did they find the points and start to build a little bit of pressure, they got a couple of players back on the field, South Sydney. But um, from that, the attack from Penrith, they started to get more opportunities again. Good ball, but I don't know what it was. I I struggled to think, like people were talking about cohesion. I, I, I kind of link it all together that when your forward pack is struggling and you're relying on more minutes from other guys like Sorensen's and May and Martin and sort of managing like the impact that Fish and Laoto were making earlier in the year, I think they sort of struggled to generate as much ruck speed, which makes it obviously harder to put on those set plays and get to the edges where early in the year when they were fresh fit and firing like the one-two punch of those guys bashing the ruck up tightening things and then being able to play off the back of it um, certainly felt now when you look at it I I just honestly think they just didn't react or respond to a slow ruck I had to play on the back of a slow ruck I think that left points out there again like I predicted 30 to 12 South scored their 12 but Penrith like with that amount of possession field position they, they should have scored five or six tries, but their their attack just left a lot to be to be wanting, and it was why South were able to stay into the game, really. Yeah. And look, South's defence was outstanding, no no question there. But you, you know, Penrith's the number one defence in the comp, and you saw how easily that they were pulled apart with some good attack for the, in those you know small times where South were able to get down their end. Mm. So yeah. They're, whether, whether that is, I think it's probably a mix of a whole heap of things, you know, uh, injuries, um, probably the lack of, like you said, the guys there that can generate a quick ruck, you know, a little bit of, you know, the game slowed down and you're playing better opposition, more video, um, all that stuff. Mm. But yeah, Penrith didn't adjust, you know, as well as what they could have, but they still managed to win the comp based largely on their, on their, Tremendous defence. I've mm. uh, got a few more here for the first half. Gagai made a huge tackle on Cleary after it. They had a really good set start. I think Edwards made good metres. Toto on the back of it. There was an offload to Crichton. Crichton rolls, gets up again, offloads to Cleary. And if Dane Gagai is not coming in the way he is to hit him, um, I think Johnston was sort of there in coverage, but they were probably 20, 25 away. So I would have probably backed Cleary in that foot race. But huge moment. And again, I, I thought he was really good. Um, in the game, especially his yardage work. South got pummeled out of their own back end, but Gagai was just involved in absolutely everything. But uh, back end of the half again, Penrith just showed sort of that stuttering um, in their attack. There's a play to error. Luai off the back of that, straight after that play the ball. They don't need to throw it, throws a pressure pass to Mobrovsky. Johnston jams him. Just completely unnecessary. And another thing again, where we just look at their attack and not what we got used to seeing earlier in the year. Lack cohesion and lack patience. Mm. Off the back of that, South do themselves no favours. Play one error off the scrum. Um, Campbell Graham 
drops it. They obviously credit it to Taff, but yeah, it wasn't uh, Campbell Graham's best night, that's for sure. No, it wasn't. I think, no, um, and, and we spoke about it in the preview, the kick up the arse that Wayne Bennett had sort of given him and that he needs to respond, and he unfortunately didn't. Hmm. And, uh, it's funny because you look, tackles made, it says 21 and only one missed it. I know he wasn't involved in contact, but they ran a lot at him, inside and out of him, and those numbers tell that story, that they really wanted to go after him. He didn't get accredited for the error for that one from the first touch, but Taft shouldn't have been in a situation where he was trying to clean up that ball, so... That was a big moment, but um, luckily for them, it only turns into two points. Penrith, again, really struggled with their attack, but Jai Arrow sort of stumbles through the ruck there. They get the play advantage and go close to scoring, but um, kick the goal to get themselves up 8-6. And, uh, you know, late in the half, Arrow again under that sort of haze, or I don't know if it was in the in the moment or more at half time, comes up with a bit of a play. Momorowski, a bit of a line break, early shift which I really liked from Penrith after they started to get pinned a little bit. Burton and Cleary linking shift infield, turn Momorowski under, goes 20 metres the other way. Um, and then probably the last play I sort of had, which was a huge play for the half, is kick out save on Paula. And I've got to give him a wrap. He was obviously fighting some demons in last year's grand final. Too many passes, offloads, made a ton of errors. Defensively wasn't great, but on the weekend was probably one of the better games he's played just in terms of doing all the little things right. He ran hard, he crashed the halves, he chased hard, his kick chase was awesome and he had two tri-savers or two huge saving plays in the game kick out. Yeah, look, I thought it was almost his best game of the season. And, yeah, I don't want to overstate it, but that's what Penrith need from him every week. Mm. Uh, and unfortunately for the majority of this year, he, you know, he was a little bit off whether he was carrying injuries or... Certainly would have carried some head noise out of the grand final from last year, but like you said, to come back and get redemption and play really well is, is really good for for kick out. Yeah, so that, that kind of gets me to half time, and I thought basically we said before for Penrith, for all the possession, the territory, the dominance, um, just more points. There was too many setup plays like we were talking about when we were watching it. There was a lot of times I will get caught play four where they finally were in a good position, but it was time to kick. Um, Really struggled. Hey, we're, very, we're also very close to our um, halftime draw bet. Mm, very close. Without that, without that penalty goal, we would have would have had it. So yeah. for those that got on, we, we had a good ride. Yeah, it was tight, but um, just yeah, they they struggled to jump like we said in the shade. There was the lack of push at times, like just the natural stuff we saw early in the year with his bodies around the football. And again, whether that's a result of those guys, just the injuries and the way they've played, there were certainly moments there where. Especially at the back end of the game, I thought South still looked fresher, and obviously they had the easier two weeks and not as many injuries. But like you could really tell that Penrith had, had gone through those few wars at the back end of the game. But um, yardage was obviously excellent. What they were getting from obviously South having to kick from a long field, Edwards, Toto, Critter, huge in the first half. Nathan's kicking game, the amount of times he dropped it, like we said, on the goal line, inside ten, inside five, bash and bomb. Their set starts play one two. That like the sets they were making forty eight meters to South thirty one. They were just completely controlling the game. They had three dropouts in the first half, and while the pack was steady, it was more of a group effort. Um, and the bench was okay. It was really the back three and, and Nate's kicking game in particular. But I, I thought Yo again really stood up for South. So I was sitting there after the first half, just thinking it's sixty forty. You've had to be so patient. You've had to scramble your ass off. You've only let one try in. You've absorbed so much punishment from these kicks. Their back three's been bashed. 
Murray's taken the head knock. You've had two guys go for HIAs, both get back on the field. You've realistically had one moment to attack inside good ball, no tackles inside 20, and it's 8-6. Yeah, yeah, the score line was fantastic for the, for the Bunnies, and possession did three, they just couldn't um, capitalise. 60-40 first half, and then uh, I think it was 57-43 second half in terms of possession, so mm, yeah. interesting. But yeah, zero tackles. In terms of South, South dominated possession second half, so. Mm. Yeah. But off the back foot and with a fair bit going against them, I thought they were pretty good. And like I said, Cody come up with real key moment. Reynolds had a couple of nice runs when Cook got out and he obviously tried to impose himself. But Tom's impact off the bench was great. Um, and yeah, kicking with a long yeah. field, they were great. And again, no tackles inside 40, 60, four, uh, sorry, inside 20, 60, 40 possession. And 900 metres to 500 like there was so much pressure on them and as we saw uh, from week one they were willing to just absorb and be patient wait for their moments but second half perfect start for them 2-6 again first set like you said the inconsistency probably from the referee got two out real quickly uh, last play Reynolds really really deep in the line they roll basically the whole field they go out back to Cody Walker and massive wrap this is the first key moment I've got in the second half Critter again. He doesn't have grass behind him. He knows he has to make a decision because there's an opportunity when the ball gets to Cody Walker with his tip on uh, trying to get it to Gagai that they're going to have an opportunity to set up and score. And Critter just jams Gagai, knocks the ball out the back, takes away any opportunity to get shifted around. Uh, I thought that was, again, huge play right at the start of the half. Yeah, it was key. Key. Point saved, as good as point scored. Mm. And it's another one where Kate Wells sort of got caught a little bit infield, which led to the isolation. But in those few rare moments, and again, I know a lot of Panther fans were like, why is he not playing centre, this, that, and the other? For the makeup of their team, and again, having Tottenham and Edwards injured, they needed a bit more out of the backfield. We, I said it mid year, it stains had to go. I didn't care if it was Taylor and Jennings, whoever it was. But Crichton's such a quality player, but his instincts defensively on the end of the line, there was a, like, there was a few moments last night. Again, he come up with a game winner. But he come up with a few moments like this where I was just like, man, this bloke's smart. Like, he reads a game really, really well defensively on an edge. Yeah. So, yeah, that was um, that was big. But um, Yo tips to Laota. They start to push. Cleary again. The kicking, just outstanding. Lands it on a dime. They start to kind of twist and put the pressure on. But then there's a huge moment. The Edwards obstruction play uh, brings the ball back. I think it was... Who was it? Catewell. Catewell gets sort of caught in the line. I'm not quite sure why. It was a pretty lazy effort. I think it was Cam Murray. Then Edwards, unfortunately, does go inside-outside and does obstruct him, forget it. But just thought, again, Catewell, he had some good moments, but once or twice getting caught um, defensively. And the one before where Critter sort of saves him and he gets caught in field and comes up with that one. Straight away, South's getting the real good run at the start of the half and no surprise when you've got a halfback like Reynolds and it's Wayne Bennett football straight away they take the two it's 10 metres out make the game eight all but uh, a fast start for them and again really really good Tom Tom Burge has some big big carries and they were, they were looking good but uh, similar to what has been the case in, for most part of the year whenever you seem like things are starting to go your way an error comes and Jaden Sewer, who I thought was better at the back end of the year after being in and out of the team, he comes up with an ex-critical play in the second half. He drops at play three after points. 
in his own half and puts Penrith straight on the front foot and back in attack after squaring things up. Yeah, absolute killer. Nah, another one of those moments again where I think it was kick out and a few guys involved. Lou, I was involved with a lot of these plays, but just sort of thought again, you've absorbed all this pressure, you've had the perfect start of the half, you bank that two points, you have to finish that set and um, yeah, saw why having a bit of a resurgence those last few games and getting himself back in to the starting lineup hands that opportunity to Penrith to attack straight away when they've had literally no opportunity themselves. Um, so the pressure releases. They start again with their attack. It's just the same old, same old. They're really, really struggling. I think Yo, that set, has one of those blow-up moments. But Nathan Cleary takes a really good lot run here off a, a bit of a shift play, digs into the line. I thought re-watching it again on replay that if he plays short to kick out, it's try time. But he goes the inside shoulder of Reynolds. He gets himself through the line and throws a forward pass, unfortunately. But um, again, it's easy to be critical on review, but I thought he had Reynolds done. Reynolds sort of had eyes for him, and I thought if he played short, kick out was in for all money. But pushes himself through, and the pass is just forward. But um, big moment again for South. Yeah, big let off. Massive let off. Uh, but yeah, good play from Penrith. Just, yeah, wrong. Well, not wrong, but uh, yeah, they just couldn't execute. Nah, disappointing. Um, but yeah, good to see Nath obviously taking some of those runs. He had a few digs when he had opportunities, and so much stronger. Like we talked about earlier, and obviously he's developed into a bigger body, and he doesn't force the run. But uh, the few moments he did choose to run, he got himself almost through or quick play of the ball. Very physical with the way he plays his football. That's for sure. Yeah, and they did. They. He exposed a few inside shoulders um, on Jaden Sewer a couple of times. So yeah. yeah, he's just got that. He plays so deep into the line that you can just never not account for him. Nah. nah. They flip the field again. Reynolds comes up with a nice kick. Johnson makes a few miss. Cody, quick hands. And uh, Crito, again, was just mentioned before, has another one of those moments where he holds inside knowing he's got grass behind him and, and hunts and comes up with a really good tackle. And... Um, the big play that you mentioned before happens not long after that when they get down the other end after flipping the field and Reynolds kicking um, in a good position. Spencer Lanyu on the field comes up and the argument for a lot of people, is it a charge down? Is he trying to make a tackle? Like for me, if you're trying to make a tackle, same as when you see those ones where it's passed and they say, well, it's touched him. Like if, to me, if you're in the attempt to make a tackle, you should be punished for that. Like If you're genuinely going for a charge down or you're genuinely trying to touch a pass, I'm fine with it being six again, but in this situation, they challenged it. The ref agreed that the intent was uh, only to tackle, not for a charge down, so uh, that was a huge play as well. Oh, I'd be cool. Um, yeah. There should be more of it with the, with, the, with ship passes as well. Yeah, it, it burns me when a centre yeah. or someone comes in with a good jam and, you know, they've already got their arms basically all the way around and you've got someone forcing a pass, like literally almost wrapped up, and they're like, well, that's six again. I'm like, well, fuck, he... Yeah, should have just uh, held it like I, I don't know how you can punish a defender for making a positive play but um, yeah, yeah if they're not playing the ball deliberately playing no, the ball when they've already landed if they've got into that space and then you've pushed the pass then that's on you yeah and that, that moment proves to be critical again because Yo again just so influential in this game so many touches lays one on takes a carry himself and Cleary another one of those kicks just drops it on a dime Campbell Graham comes crossfield takes it one metre out and it's trapped in. It's another dropout. But the attack struggles just continue. 
Yo here, I've got it in my notes, sorry. This is when he really blows up. He, he takes a carry deep into the line when he changes the tempo. He's 10 metres in front of everyone. No one is there. Like, they've got a flat line. They're off the back foot. It's a quick play of the ball. And he literally turns his head looking for anyone to link with because they're just so flat. There's no one within 10 metres of him. Um, and again, in a game where they've had all the ball and they're on the front foot, you're kind of sitting there. All, that's all I kept thinking about again. Is this just a health thing? Are they that busted and weary despite their defensive effort? Like, in attack, I just thought there was a lot of stuff that was uncharacteristic. That's all. Yeah, I agree. It just shows the level of fatigue as well. But, um, yeah, off the back of that, they have a knockback off another Cleary kick, which was absolutely brilliant. Sorensen picks it up. They almost get the score, but unfortunately, no dice taken down. South scramble and survive again, and that attacking twenty that we spoke about just, yeah, not great. And Cody Walker off the back of it, sort of a set save, gets to the inside shoulder of, of Cleary, turns him inside out. Reynolds... Awful midfield shank. It was a really good kick pressure, and Burton cleans it up, and um, the field position just, yeah, starts to flip a little bit again. And Cook gets a HIA in a key moment there. That's another one of those ones where they called it, and South in particular have been critical of Penrith this week, but there's no surprise that they stopped the game, um, obviously, after that touch when they were under pressure down in their end of the field. Mate, there was a few there where. Yeah, I thought, well, it's a bit of the pot calling the kettle black. But uh, anyway, it's particularly one late in the game, which we'll get to, I'm sure, but which should be a $25,000 fine, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Taff, an error from a Luai pressure, which was the one just before that when the, obviously, HIA, like we said, for Cook, when they're inside 10 attacking, Cleary bomb, uh, is the next one I've got here and the hit from kick out on Paulo that was another one where they're cycling and going back and forth and obviously like we said they're kicking from a long field as compared to Penrith kicking from attacking kicks but he was dead set a heat seeking missile on the night Nathan Cleary I think I had a score kind of here on his kicks there was only one kick I had a negative on which is the one that he kicked into Kalama Tungi's stomach every other kick was basically inside the 10 on the 5 on the goal line five dropouts, like flat-footed. Even the few times he kicked from a long field, he put it inside 10, and then their kick chase trapped inside 20. Like, almost every set start from an attacking position bar the few long field kicks was just perfect. You, you could not have had a better night with a boot, but kick out again, just uncharacteristic of him and more of what we need to see. The kick chase was huge, and that moment, knocking Paulo back, Luai doing what every good halves partner should do. He was kick pressuring on every single one of Nathan's kicks on the night. He goes back to make sure that Taft's there and big play by Taft to be there to clean that up because otherwise it's a four-pointer to the Penrith Panthers. But unfortunately, they don't convert. Off the back of that, play two, Burton drops the ball. Uh, takes a really good line. What you talked about in the preview with South, the three-man, the half is jamming in and putting pressure. They kind of get to the outside this time, but they finally turn back under. And on that turn back under, Burton finds a bit of a crease Carries for 20 metres. It looks like it's going to be a quick play of the ball, a good setup play. But Campbell Graham, as I said before, why he wasn't credited for a lot of misses, they certainly found yardage through him. Um, he makes a bit of a rescue tackle here, and luckily for him, Burton drops the ball. And it's it's another early error inside 20. Yeah, it, it, yeah exactly. Just let South soft in it and just weren't able to apply any of that attacking pressure. 
that they so crave, but even when they did, they, they weren't able to really execute. No. And, uh, Cook at the back end of the game thought had some big moments. He had a real good kick chase on Cleary, which led to a bit of a rush. Um, and then Cody, I've got here. The, just this sort of start of a bit of a downfall before that critical moment for him at the back end of the game. Things are in the balance. I don't know if he didn't know what the tackle count was. But that- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Had a really good set. Cook's come up with a good run. I think it might have been Gagai, Burgess, a few others off the back of it, offload, and they've got them scrambling. And Cody Walker pops up 63rd minute midfield and puts a grubber in. Um, and it was one of those positions where they were finally, again, in a rare moment, in good ball, able to put an attacking kick in. And I don't know what he was sort of thinking. I, there wasn't really space there. It gets cleaned up, but he turns it over, probably 25 out when they were finally starting to find, you know, some second phase or bust them up a little bit. And there was a lot of misses going on. I thought he misread that situation terribly. Yeah, great. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, Burton, huge play. Lou, like you said, few kicks on the night, but I thought he was really, really good, in particular with his kick chases. But of the four kicks he put in, similar to Nathan, landed on a dime. He put Paulo on a sideline, flat-footed, and Matt Burton, huge tackle, second one of the night where he drags someone in, um, catches him flat, spins him around and throws him over the sideline. And again, unfortunately, they get an opportunity inside 20, but Tyrone May drops the ball, play two. Um, Nathan, I think, throws yeah, it back in field. This is the point of the game where South just really had to take advantage and they, they just didn't yeah and there's a common theme here to what I keep saying kick pressure opportunity inside 20 dropouts errors like the amount of pressure that Penrith generators we talk about from set starting from their back three kicking from positive positions kick chase pressure killing set starts play one two five force dropouts multiple errors like so many opportunities but just need to convert really need to convert and this now leads to the big play biggest play of the game and it's Crichton again who Funnily enough, like you said, when you watch her in review, I've already mentioned he's had three huge plays defensively in the way he's read the game. They get to the outside, like you talked about before. Looks like it's a three-on-two. We know that they're usually shelling peas here, and Cody Walker goes for it, but Crichton holds, has confidence in himself, puts himself in the line, and snatches that pass. It looked like he was almost about to turn out and start chasing, but I don't know if he sort of called Cody's bluff, but whatever video they've done um, and however he read that situation... Biggest moment of the game. We did, he just he determined um, what shoulder he was able to run it. You know, and he, essentially he forced um, Walker into that long pass because he was able to convince Walker that he could make a tackle on his inside shoulder. So, yeah, it was really good play. Yeah, massive play. And again, man, it's critical of Walker there. Like, Walker, we've seen how many tries this he's thrown on this year. Like, yeah, I'm not critical of, of Cody Walker at all. No. Nah. You'd like to see him ice it, but that's, that's footy. Yeah, and like I said, the amount of try assists, line break assists, runs, support, like he, he was yeah, huge. But also, how many, times, how many times does that pass beat Crichton? And, you know, Johnson's down the field in a way. So, yeah. 
That, that's the game, right? And I, I'm like I said, I'm more giving it to Crichton because I just think the way he defended it, the way he put himself in that position, he pushed all in. But essentially, the way they were attacking, they needed it. Um, and again, it's a defensive play that wins in the game. It's a huge play. Um, and yeah, just sort of, Cody had so many positive plays in the first half. The way he ran, uh, like you said, he, he didn't kick much, but he busted some tackles. He got Nathan a few times. He scored that first try. He laid on a couple of their nice shifts that led the line break, or he would have had line break assists. And then in this moment, there was the kick four or five minutes before where I thought they needed a territorial kick. He just, I don't know, again, if he didn't have the tackle count, but he puts that poor grabber in, hands in the ball, 25 out. And then in this moment, uh, I just give all credit to Crichton. Huge play. Scores. Um, then after that, we obviously get into the critical stages of the game. Again, not running through everything play by play by play, but the critical moments out here is a sewer carry play three penalty. He skittles a couple, 20 out, and this was like the first opportunity they sort of had here uh, with seven minutes left to go. Gagai, Cook, Burgess, like they just have multiple offloads, multiple carries. They've got Pendrith scrambling uh, prior that, to that, which leads to the carry to get that penalty. And Cody, again, executes when they get that opportunity off that rare moment. So they got inside 20. They had that double shift play again. Cook's pass was absolutely superb because we know how hard it is to tack inside 10 in particular. But he lands it on a dime with him moving forward. They go through the hands and uh, he obviously, they pass their way to the winger. And again, watching this situation, I give Crichton credit. Crichton not only holds the space to make sure the pass gets thrown, but he still almost recovers enough to get a touch on Johnston, which he does, but Johnston finishes. Yeah, that's, that's one where I don't want Crichton bending away. Like, I want him jamming in there because you're on goal line, but, mm. yeah, he can't be too critical. No. Um, he, he's still got a bit of a touch on him, but, yeah, you're 100% right. Probably should have come forward and tried to melt somebody. But well, you have to do that. You don't, you don't have grass behind you. You're all in, so this is that, the line should have come up harder. Yeah, and this is that situation where we, we say again, for the limited opportunities they got, their attack so potent. They got down there only minimal amount of times, and they shelled them twice. Um, but this one here goes the credit to Johnston. Johnston start at the other end of the field. They kick down under pressure. And I talked the other night about their right side's been busted a few times. Under fatigue, the middle of Penrith doesn't really chase. The right side tightens up a bit and over chases. Johnston tips in to Taff, which sort of started this whole set. Cook gets out in the back of it. I think Gagai, who was huge, like I said, he had 10-plus tackle breaks. There's offloads between him and Burgess and all those runs and carries and extra efforts are what lead to the carry of Sua skittling a couple of guys and getting a penalty uh, which puts him in a good ball with a full set and didn't take him any place to execute that but again story of the night Penrith's defence for the most part won on this game uh, but in this moment for South not being able to get up the other end of the field because of Penrith's ruthlessness with their kick chase play one two and set starts the, the rare opportunity they get they shelled him straight away but um, obviously the next critical moment we all know what it is Adam Reynolds we all know how critical his kicking is. We said he needed to kick in this game. He kicked well with a long field. He executed in good ball. His goal kicking, though, I think no one has a better strike rate as a right footer from the left touch line. I've heard Vossi say a ridiculous number before. His accuracy from there, I think, is like high 80s, which is incredible from any spot, let alone from the sideline. But he kicks this one. It fades just before it gets back inside the right post. The way it started off... I actually thought it was it was going to come back. Yeah, so did I. But yeah, that's that's a critical one. Um, and you look at like the key positions. 
Walker had his obviously his intercept at the back end. Then you had Taff and Cook for the most part were nullified. And then you know Reynolds he missed that critical kick a goal, and then he missed an attempt at a um, a long two point field goal. So yeah, unfortunately, just at that back end, their key position players just weren't able to to get it to get it done. But they they didn't have a lot of opportunities. You know, if you compared the impact that the key position players had, Sias were probably were definitely more potent, but just limited opportunities where Penrith had plenty of opportunities but weren't overly potent at all. So no. it was a, a game just decided on territory and, and field position and possession. That's the last point I had here. Um, they had two sets each left, basically, on the back of that try where, unfortunately, they don't get the kick. Cody Walker, they have a nice shift play there. Kim Murray comes back under line break. There's no inside trail. I think it's Martin and Coruscant blow it, and Edwards comes up with a hell of a, a try saver. They end up holding on, get it back down the other end. Reynolds off the back of a Totolo carry, which was huge, gets him a crack at that two-point field goal, and my God, he was on target, and it just fell short. Um, wouldn't have that have been something if he hit that? It was almost the identical spot where he hit one against, I think it was the West Tigers. Yeah. Uh, this year, it was yeah, almost exactly the same spot. But yeah, yeah like Reynolds, you, you, you can be excellent all season long, but yeah, it's about sort of icing them when the game is on the line, and unfortunately he wasn't able to do that for the Bunnies. Yeah, and uh, that was the end. And like I said, I'm all wanting to go through and just have those key moments or critical moments and... There was a common theme, like we said, defensively, a lot of, from Penrith. Um, obviously found out those one or two moments and just at the end of the day, like we said, possession, field position, territory, the way they kicked, like Cleary may have had the one or two moments where he got caught out in particular on the first try, but as far as a kicking game is concerned, to go through and almost have the perfect kicking game, five dropouts, constantly putting on a dime, if not trapping inside five or ten, they essentially gave South just no opportunity to be in good field position to put on their attacking shapes bar the limited opportunities they got. And again, you've got to wonder if they could have, you know, if he would have had an off night or they got a couple of seven tackle sets or he wasn't so good with his kicking game and they got a bit more even share in terms of possession and field position, what they could have come up with because the limited chances and in particular tackles inside 20, I don't know what the final number would have been, but... I dare say it would have been absolutely ridiculous. They would have had less than 10 inside 20. Penrith would have had 30, 40 easily. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, Penrith won possession. They had a higher completion rate. More running metres. Penalties were largely equal. I think South might have got one more. Penrith made less, um, less errors. More kick metres, like you said, and... Yeah, well, South lost by two. It's incredible. Like, yeah, it's incredible that South were, were even in that game. Mike said, well, and, "You know, if you, if you gave me all these numbers and said to me what's the score, then I probably would have stuck with my thirty to 12 Hundred percent. It's a credit to yeah, credit to South and their scramble and their defence, their energy. Like, how the fuck they had energy at the back end of that game after how much defence they had to do, particularly on their goal line, was incredible." And I think, again, we, we take a little bit back to saying we're wary because, or in particular, like I said, I was wary. The two games they played, they were much fresher. So clearly they had a little bit more in reserve to come up with. 
critical plays in this time. Like Penrith's two games prior were just wars. I don't know how many, you know, how much tackles do you generally make a game? Two hundred plus, two hundred thirty, two forty. Like Penrith's month. Oh of, yeah, I think it's about three hundred. Yeah, Penrith's month of football, the extra tackles, the extra minutes, the amount of guys that were broken. Um, I think South probably had that little bit in store, which is what worried me if things were so tight, but. Um, yeah, the fact they were in that game, five dropouts to nil, they come up with more line breaks, Penrith's 59 misses, a lot of it off scrambling, uh, playing off the back foot for the majority of the game, the amount of times they were attacked on their goal line. Yeah, it, it was it was insanity, but probably the small difference, like we said, is just all night being off the back foot and having those limited opportunities, and they showed that with them that they could get the job done, but full credit to Penrith and winning they won the comp off their defense and their kicking game they've completely yeah. flipped the script their attack may have struggled and like we I said did it last week they, they've got a culture built on defense hmm. and that's what won the comp we, when we've talked about it like why things may have fell apart a little bit whether is it the middles you know the injuries you've got in your spine you're a bit more limited in what you could do is it video is it all these bits and pieces they built everything off the back of their defence. They relied even heavier on their back three, which is crazy, like we said, given that two of them are in such a bad state. And I haven't even really mentioned Brian Toto because I spoke to somebody who I won't really mention last week who is very well connected on the inside of the Penrith thing, and he said the fact that Brian was still playing is purely down to his toughness because they brought him back a couple of weeks early from that ankle surgery. Um, he obviously rested once or twice in between there. I'm pretty sure he's going to be back in for surgery again as well. He's been playing purely off the fact that he's willing to push through the pain so um, him and Edwards to think the state they were in to have 25 carries apiece almost 500 metres Crichton's addition to the back there because they knew they had Mobarovsky and the addition of Burton this year wasn't there last year and the quality he brought um, you know Jerome patchy during the year after he lost Nathan but I thought the other night last night was all the small stuff for him his kick chase um, off the back of Nathan's kicks and just solidifying the work that he did was outstanding the few times he run, the one opportunity he did get, he came up obviously with the the assist. He, he did his job. Nathan, his kicking was huge. I thought Coruscant's game was underrated. He had a lot of misses at the back end. It says he's attributed for 14 misses. Um, I think a lot of them were during that sort of scramble. But, yeah, even the minutes like we talked about and how they had to manage it. Like Fisher-Harris only played 36 minutes. He's capable of playing 65-70. That, that shows how busted he must have been with that knee. Louder only played 31 Similar deal again, like that, the lean on guys, like Martin's 54 minutes were big and the amount of dirt work he got through. Lane only got 13 again, May only got 13 again, so he relied heavily, heavily on, like we said, patching things up when he had Yo playing as a start in middle and a couple of quick changes between those guys. Like He couldn't really rest on a few of those guys like he did at the start of the year, so huge credit to them for doing it the way they've done it and coming a long way around the mountain because... Yeah, given the circumstances and what we now know, it, it's massive. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. And for South... I'm really happy for, you know, the boys that I sort of had a bit of involvement with during my 10 years there as well. Like, coach, um, I clearly in Lua for a long period of time, but also, you know, had seasons with Edwards and um, Toto, Fisher-Harris, Moses, who we also, you know, we played against him a lot at club footy and plus Yoey and Team A, so, you know, I was only Yo, like, I was doing 17's development, this might have been 2011, 2012, and we were on our way out to Ningen for the 
under-17s Easter Carnival. They used to play it out there over Easter long weekend. And I remember before we got on the bus, Jimmy Jones came down and said, look, you're going to pick up a kid um, on your way through to Ninian at Dubbo. And, you know, we'll just, it's, you know, we just want to see how he goes. And, uh, yeah, I remember I was I jumped on the bus and he basically didn't say boo for the three days and played really, really well. And he was sort of one of the ones that we went back with and um, said to Jimmy, you know, like he was, he was good and he, he, he did all the right things both on the field and off the field. And, like, look where he is now. He's a, 10 years later, he's a premiership winning captain. So it just, it just shows you, you, just, you don't know where these players are going to come from and that's why they're doing such a fantastic job with their development and you know look at Burton he's another country um, Liam Martin country so you know those the net that they've um, cast across the country areas has paid dividends because like the influence that Burton had on the game I thought he could have easily won the Clive Churchill medal last night he he was outstanding and in his last game for the Panthers so yeah, it was just good. Was good to see a lot of those guys be successful. And obviously, we we gone through and I, we won a twenties comp and then lost the twenties grand final. So they've been successful. And you know, you know the success that Garth Brennan had with a lot of these guys in New South Wales Cup as well. But it's one thing to do it in those lower grades, but to now translate it into two NRL grand finals and one premiership is. Um, Unreal, and I'm, I'm really interested now in what they do next. Because you look at the 1991 Panther side, and unfortunately that side was just torn apart by tragedy the year after. Uh, but you look at the 2003 Premiership side, they made a prelim final the year after uh, and were beaten by the Dogs, who went on to, um, to win it. But largely that side didn't really kick on, did they? And, yeah, no, things fell apart. Is this, be, is this the end of the run or is this just the start? Like, I look at their team and I think this should be just the start for this Penrith side. But winning a comp does change things. I think the loss of Burton is going to be huge. That's been largely understated and that's why we, we were so strong in what we said early in the year. Like, there's no fucking no way in the world that you can let Matt Burton go to the Bulldogs early because no. you might need him in a grand final. Final, and sure enough, well, forget just the grand final. Not only did they need him, but they, yeah, that's right. I'm not about to get to that. Like, you know, with the clear injury and all the injuries they had, they they needed needed him this year, and he's been a huge part in why they've won the comp. So, well, well, not even that. That we both highlighted yeah, well, under the Panthers, but I, you know, you now shift ahead to looking at next year, and it, now it's about what you do next. So, yeah. what are you going to do next, Penrith? I think the South. You know, we're going to get obviously the season reviews or whatever we're going to do but yeah I think that's probably the end of their window with Reynolds leaving but we'll see what happens mm. but you, the Burton thing you know only just highlight what we talked about before we both had Burton in our lineup. forget the fact that the Bulldogs wanted him and he yeah, was going to go I, yeah I, I would have played him the year before I said it the year before as well that I, I actually I, I, did, I didn't know as much about Jerome as you did I thought Jerome from what I saw looked better as a guy playing out the back of shape and thought you know same deal with Edwards Edwards has obviously proved he can be a premiership winning fullback playing an unconventional style compared to what most fullbacks play these days. I wasn't sold on that. I thought the solve was Burton, Cleary, left foot, right foot, kicking games, two big ball running halves, two good, you know, guys that can, uh, you know, 
hold up defensively and you have Jerome playing in the back of shape and being that spark plug, but they've taken a different route. They've got Jerome and Nathan who have come through together. They've got a yardage sort of fullback who essentially is like a third winger. You don't look at him and see him ball player. Like, if anything, Burton, no, sorry, Edwards at times is a bit clunky on the end of shape. But they're, they've sort of bucked the trend in that regard with their spine as well because they've got such a good halfback and a good nine um, that they've played through you know, sort of that front three and their fullback hasn't had a whole lot to do with their attack in terms of their, you know, point scoring. But Burton was a huge factor. Um, anyone you hold on to was a huge factor. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about those sort of things when we get to the season reviews. But the only other thing I want to say, like, I, you know, a lot of people brought up, well, if Latrell played, etc. well, he didn't play. He got suspended. Um, it's something you're never going to know. And that's like the flip side argument for Penner of saying, well, what if all those guys were healthy? Would they have just chewed their way through the finals? Like, if Fisher-Harris is playing 70 minutes, full flood, Leota's healthy, Toto's healthy, like, everyone's in full condition, you know, like, you can make all those sort of arguments, but it doesn't matter. It is what it is. They went the long way around the mountain and they won the competition, and for South, unfortunately, the troll got suspended. It was a huge to get to where they did. Taft to play in a grand final, um, you know, and, and... play the way he did on the run-in. He, he was really, really good. Uh, he was under pressure again the other night, and you, you'll never know. That, that's that's rugby league, unfortunately. Yeah. Can't uh, look back at things that obviously you can't control. But, yeah, for Ivan Cleary, I'm happy for him. I know I've said it a million times, I've defended him, um, and I don't think that Gus was right to fire him the first time. I think this has proven it right. And for anyone else that hated at the start of the first year and said it was a bust and it was all going backwards. I stick by my guns that he was turning things around. This is a lot of credit to him. And again, last year, I defended him. Yeah. And I defended last year as well. A lot of the Barrett love and everyone was saying it's got nothing to do with Ivan. That's not a shot at Barrett, but it's like whether you don't like him, whether the Tigers thing irks you, whatever it is, got to pay some fucking respect because he did a hell of a job at the Warriors and they almost won a comp. No one else has gone over there and done it since. He's been in a lot of rebuilding situations. Yes, he bailed out to go back and play with his son, but he dealt with a lot of shit the first year. He flipped the roster over. He blooded all these young guys like Toto and that. They went straight to a grand final. First off-season after losing it, they've been under the pump, having to redo all these contracts. They've had seven go to origin. They've got through it. They've had all these injuries. And finally, in his third crack, he's won a competition. So, for me, it's... it's yeah, I'm super, super excited for, for Ivan and... You know, Cam Serrato, who's been there for a long time. And Webster, um, too. Webster, who we've, you know, had a lot to do with. He's got punted, essentially, from yeah. Michael McGuire's coaching staff. Wrongfully, I think. Unbelievable. Uh, and then goes to Penrith and wins the comp. So, yeah, Webby's super excited for for him. Uh, the coaching staff deserve a lot of credit. But so does, um, like, Dave O'Neill and. You know, the Matt Cameron executive. I think Matty Cameron, what Matty Cameron's done there for a long period of time, like he is absolutely understated. And um, you know, I sent Brandy a message last night and said to him, mate, you, whatever Matt Cameron's on, you want to pay him double because, yeah, the tentacles of his reach with development and recruitment um, go so far deep into that squad, it's not funny. And yeah, you, know, you look at also the guys that didn't play and all the guys that have just been squeezed out of Penrith that have gone on to other things elsewhere. Like, it's um, unbelievable. You know, 
particularly for Matt, like he was he was at Parramatta, he was on Daniel Anderson's staff when they were beaten by the Melbourne Storm in 2009, he was an assistant coach there, so premiership success has actually eluded him for a long time as well, and you know, we lost the Jersey Fleet grand final in uh, 05, so it's just good to to see some of the f- fruits of his work pay off, and yeah, you know, long-term listeners of this podcast know that um, with particularly I've sung his praises because you know I was, I was there for ten years through a lot of this work, and you know I was there the day that um, Ivan was appointed. I was there the day that Ivan was sacked, and um, I wasn't there the day that Ivan was reappointed. But yeah, it's, um, I saw sort of where the club got to under Anthony Griffin, and that's no shot under Anthony Griffin, but it wasn't quite where it was when certainly when Ivan was there in my opinion and uh, they corrected a mistake and they went and got Ivan and um, yeah. I think he just he just fits the he fits the club well because he's he's a good first grade coach but he's also you know a you know, pretty mild mannered pretty calm guy low key and sets a good example well let's not sugarcoat it not a lot of yeah just not a lot of ego in him yeah but that's what I was about to say. Let's not sugarcoat it. Uh, one person who a lot of people give a whole lot of credit to is Gus. It's not all just Gus. Gus has done a hell of a lot for the club, in a particular. Gus, yeah, Gus, Gus said it all up. Like Gus, Gus's greatest strength is he knows how to identify the right people in the right positions. And yeah, but if anything, I he, think... He put, he, he, his fingerprints are all over the framework of this. But yes, but... Yeah, in terms of the bricks and, bricks and mortar... We've just highlighted a lot of those guys, and, and that's my more the point of saying. Yeah, like and this, and this is the thing. Like for all those clubs that, like particularly someone like the Bulldogs, you, you're not you're not one signing away. Like no, you, but I also you are the rebuilding of your development system and putting a lot of guys in position and a lot of heartache away from being successful and being a truly a development club. Mm. But I also, like I said before, I was critical of Gus at the time because I think he set this back. I know they didn't have, you know... They yeah, have, I, I, and I agree with that. I, he, I totally he meddled. That. I think it was a wrong call to fire Ivan. Well, he meddled. Everyone, in the, everyone on the executive's got to take some heat for that. It well, wasn't they just Gus's decision. Ultimately, he probably pulled the trigger, but there would have been a lot of people... They listened to Gus. ...that would have had to uh, agree with that. So... Yeah, exactly. But they listened to Gus, and that's what led to yeah. the, the few years of song and dance, and then he fired Griffin, who he thought that he probably had a little bit more control over and that was the thing at the time like we said was much as he did a lot of good things let's pay credit to those again who just did, did as much in the background and particularly Matt Kermans of the world um, and I, Ivan was a huge part of the beginning who came over with Gus and that pathway and I, like I said I thought they set it back when he had whatever clashes he had and they disagreed on some players and at the end I'm not saying he was wrong he, he was a huge part of it but in a, long, a lot of ways I think this success could have started earlier and I think one of the biggest yeah, mistakes... Yeah, Benny Harden's there now essentially doing what Matt Cameron was doing yeah. prior. And, you know, he's a good coach and a good operator and a good identifier of talent. And he yeah. deserves a lot of credit as well. Like, they're chopped to the brim. Like, look, look at what they were doing in um, New South Wales Cup. Um, you know, we, we were able to go there and beat them at Penrith Stadium. I think that was the only loss they had all year. Um, they, St Mary's were just murdering Ron Massey Cup. Like, they... They gave us a touch-up twice in Ron Massey and they were chopped to the brim there. And, you know, Jersey Flag were, were right up the top of the table. Um, it wasn't wasn't a great year for the Harold Matthews and SG Ball, but, you know, from top to bottom, they're, they're just going to... They'll, they'll pull them through. 
Yeah, and like I said, there's a lot of people that deserve it. I just seen so much about Gus this and Gus. I'm like, fucking hell. Like, so can someone get down to the nitty gritty of what, again, we've yeah. given plenty of praise to other people. And if anything, like I said, he did a lot of good stuff, but I also think he sent him back a few years. And bringing Ivan back to me was the correction that needed to happen, which is why I was so steadfast that first year. Because he got battered from pillar to post. And I stick by what I said, and I was really happy with the way it pay, uh, planned out, played out last night in the last two years. But, yeah, um, there's a lot of people that deserve credit, not just Gus. Uh, that's for sure. Um, but moving on from that as well, Souths, Wayne Bennett. Um, obviously, the, the finish at Brisbane was ugly. He left some ticking time bombs there. Uh, he's still throwing jabs, but full credit to what he did. Um, they went prelim, 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 just waiting to finally crack the nut. He did it this year in probably the, the hardest circumstances because he did lose Luttrell, and along the way, he's developed some nice players. Like Cody Walker's continued to develop. I thought this is one of Adam Reynolds' best years despite the situation, the transition that's going to be happening to Demetrio, the confidence he showed to bring Taff in along the way. He's blooded some guys, but also the bigger thing is the bargain buys and the best out of the lesser names, like Totola was a guy that was at the Tigers with JJ Collins, both like junior at front rows who had big raps. Nothing was doing. Comes there under Wayne, turns into a really, really good quality starting front row. Like Mark Nichols is a guy I played with a decade ago in Canberra, was essentially a squad player. He's played out of his skin this year. Like to bring Benji in and get critical moments out of him, whether it be during Origin or when he needed to start. Like Tom Burgess was so error prone and probably the worst of the three brothers. He's he's been immense under Wayne. There's a lot of wins here for Wayne Bennett and what he's done at his time in South, despite the fact they didn't come away with the premiership. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It was a, a genius appointment um, to flip with Seabold. Like, Seabold had gone prelim in his first year, one coach of the year, um, and, you know, wanted to hike it to Brisbane, and you can see where that decision's led to him. Hmm. Uh, but... You know, Bennett comes in and goes, you know, prelim loss, prelim loss into grand final loss. Um, you know, there's not a trophy there for Wayne, but... Still three good years. <laughs> it's a period of dominance. Like, you can you can talk about the overall result, yeah, and David, he'd be bitterly disappointed they weren't able to win a trophy, but to be able to comp- compete for one shouldn't be understated. There's only one team that wins it every year. And I think probably the other... Yeah, I, I think he's done a magnificent job um, and Jason Demetrio deserves a shitload of credit and he's going to jump into the driver's seat now and he's going to do an excellent job we know that yeah and he so, he essentially yeah, does majority it's be good. he does majority of the coaching right now and that's not saying Wayne doesn't do any coaching but Wayne is smart at knowing who to put around him and he's taken Demetrio with him along the way for a reason Demetrio is a really good attacking coach he's done a hell of an apprenticeship he's more than ready to take this job um, yeah New South Wales Cup winner with the Steelers. Queensland Cup winner, I think, with Pride, maybe twice. Huge upset one year of one of those gun Penrith teams. Assistant at the Cowboys when they won the comp. The Dragons were filthy when he left there, and Wayne poached him. Was at Brisbane during the whole ugly spat between Seabold and that. He got himself out with Wayne to come to Souths. Um, yeah, it's a little bit of a transition period, and probably the, one, the only thing that's not happened here under him is, I think, people were talking about not keeping Reynolds. I think people need to correct that they did make an offer to Reynolds whether you agree with what they offered Reynolds or not they didn't get rid of Reynolds they didn't agree on terms years and the situation and part of that again we all know how the salary cap works they've loaded up they paid Arrow they've paid the trail they've played Murray Kalal Matangi they want to pay Cody 
Next year, they paid Cook. So they made an offer. They didn't get rid of him. Um, but it wasn't what he was after. But essentially, part of that would have been on him. I think he was... A lot of people have spoken. Again, it's all speculation that Wayne said you should keep Reynolds. Um, but yeah, potentially under the terms and money and years that was wanted, he didn't agree. So we, we're going to see how that plays out moving forward. Yeah, and we're, we're going to see that situation, how it plays out. Yeah, I think it'll push South into irrelevancy. I don't think they can win it without the seven. But we'll see. Hmm. Uh, but let's jump into the season reviews now and let's do South Sydney. They finished third in the regular season. Uh, they were second in attack, third in defence. Obviously, finished runners-up, unfortunately, but a great year nevertheless. They used 31 players, and in season, I think it was pretty straightforward, like we just said before. Uh, they belted a lot of lower sides. They had patches in games where they were brilliant, patches where they switched off. They only had four losses all year, both to the Panthers and the Storm. They caught 50 from both of them. They managed the origin period where their spine, you know, Cook was gone, but the trail was gone, but they had great replacements. They had their halves get to stay, which is the steering wheel of their team. They managed Murray, Arrow, and those guys and gave them rest when they could. Um, and the real question we had all year was, can they turn around come finals time? And obviously we know that moment happened with Luttrell. Everyone, no one can say they back South after that. Everyone put the pen through South after that. Taft comes in, does an outstanding job. Week one, they shocked the Panthers and just completely changed the personality of their side. They become defensive orientated they do all the little things they weren't doing throughout the year and they were very very close to lifting a premiership trophy yep no doubt but yeah I think the bigger question here like we said doesn't not a whole lot more needs to be said about how the year played out it was huge but the bigger question is yes where to from here critical losses in particular an underrated one like he wasn't worth the money he was on from the deal he got previously but again that's not his fault but I think Dan Gagai is going to be a big loss um, again, you can only pay market value and they've chose to pay a lot of young guys and rightfully so. They've got a really good young core still and they're going to be a top eight side. But Gagai, I think, is going to be an underrated loss. Sewer moves on. Uh, you know, he was in and out. He was off the bench at a point there. Wayne wasn't playing him and Reynolds is obviously a huge loss. But Braden Burns moves on as well. Um, young Cook, who's a hooker they had, who was injured, but they found Mamazoulos. But I guess that's the key here. The big thing for South in this transition is they have got a really, really good group of young guys coming through. And clearly on Demetrio... Yeah, they do. And when, when you talk about um, junior development, they've certainly flipped theirs as well, which is yes. has been smart. Massive. Really, really smart. Um, and I think for that side of things, Demetrio is looking to that instead. They've got Latrell contracted, Cam Murray contracted, uh, who's probably their future captain now. I think he's absolutely outstanding. You look at... Other guys they've got, you've seen a little bit of Ilias, you've seen Mamazoulos, like they've got these guys all contracted. Arrow um, is obviously one that Wayne brought down, but he's there as well. They've got most of these dudes locked up still long term. Cook's got a couple more years. Cody, they're looking to lock up. They locked up Campbell Graham on a reasonable deal. He got Knight on the cheap, Kalal Matungi. Like there's some real positives here, but it's more how do you fill in the gaps? So if you're saying to me next year, no Reynolds, no Sewer, no Gagai out of that starting team for the grand final, Luttrell comes back in, bang, there's your fullback thing sorted. So your question really is, the biggest one is who's the half? Taft's come through with Ilias playing as six and seven. Um, Taft can definitely play seven, but he's also played one, showed he's more than capable there. 
with the rules the way they're going, you know, can he share the load with Cody enough to the point where Cody can still get around the field and do what he likes to do? Like we, we've certainly seen that Taff can sum up passing situations and he can run and can be creative enough. But week to week, eighty minutes, can he contribute with the kicking, defensively, creatively, etc., and in how they move forward? I'm sure he's got enough help around him with Latrell coming back and Cook. Uh, but if it's not him, is it Ilias? You know, do they roll Ilias in there? And then the Milford situation, we don't know um, until that goes through yeah, court. This is why I uh, this is why I disagree with that because you shouldn't have question marks. You should have someone to slide straight in there, and they don't have it. So I, I, I think it'll most likely Taff might get first crack, but I don't know. But I've got faith in Demetria. That's why I'm going to wait and see how this plays out. Centre, um, you know, they've got Tarn Milne who played some games. He, he's got some quirks that need to be ironed out. They've got Masters, Stephen Masters, who played a handful of games. Really wasn't a factor for the majority of this year. You know, in terms of how they plugged that hole, is it one of those guys? Jackson Paulo come through the juniors playing centre and winger. Does he push him infield? and put Mansour on the wing like oh, that's not the way I'd be going um, but that's something they've obviously got to fill and then the edge spot from Sewer they've had different guys sort of roll through it and he obviously moved back into the back of the year um, but now that he's gone you don't want to do I don't like when Wayne played Murray out in edge I thought Murray was wasted out there he's 13 so your options there again um, is it host does he convert finally into a full time start back rower they got Jet on the cheap for a few years Like there's a few holes there that, you know, like I said, they're definitely going to be top eight, but I don't know how much of a threat they're going to be. Well, do you, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. And the biggest thing for them, like we said, uh, what's off? Mark Nichols, I heard this week, is going to get re-signed for a couple of years. Brock Gardner's a young guy coming through their system. I'm pretty sure he's a back row. He tore his Achilles in the off-season. So he never got an opportunity. If he's healthy, I don't know. Hawkins played a few games the young half. I don't know where they're going to sign him. Mogar came... Only got a game or two. Dargan will be gone, I assume. And Benji, from all reports, may may play on, but it's unlikely to be at Souths. So in terms of what's off, there's not, not a lot of huge names there. And Nichols will probably be signed up. But yeah, in terms of young kids, no one else has got more sort of put into it. And we saw a lot of those development guys. We saw Mamazulos, who in a couple of years will take over from Cook. You've seen Taff. You've seen Ilias. So they've got options there for halves, and also a one spot, whether that be for Cody and Reynolds. They've signed up a young guy named Thomas Fletcher for the next three years until 2023. He's another one of the development players. Talis Duncan, uh, a Murray-style lock who they took from the Roosters who signed until 2025. Um, David Mawali was an 18-year-old front rower who played for them this year already. Like, they've really, really got some good kids coming through. And um, you know, Joseph, Josiah Carapani is another name. He's a young centre. They've got signed until 24 Terrell Color Color is an 18 year old fullback they've signed till 23 they've put huge huge amounts of focus into their junior development and they want to be obviously more self-sustainable inter- internally and be able to go out and cherry pick as they've done with a Latrell or an Arrow to keep this side successful long term yeah so I look forward to seeing next year more because of this circumstance that they've lost a few key guys are going Wayne Bennett's going really good core but a question over a half position with a couple of really good talented guys who have come through their junior development can one of those guys step up and keep this team relevant as a top four team I'm really interested to see that now with Dimitri out the steering wheel yeah time will tell but for the Penrith Panthers second during the regular season premieres overall attack fourth defensively first 28 players used 
um, and a great season with the ultimate outcome. It, it started red hot. They were nine or ten in a row. Obviously, Origin hit like a freight train. They had seven players in. I thought he did the right thing for the most part and rested. Um, people were freaking out after they lost to the Sharks and the Tigers. I don't know why, because I thought they did the right thing, like we said. And you, you bank those games early for that reason. Um, they got some good minutes into some young guys. We saw more debutants. Tago's few games were good. I thought Taylor Mays one game he was great. Sorensen proved to be a hell of a pickup. Hopgood's few games I thought he showed a bit. Um, you know, Kenny got plenty of football. Lindsay Smith only got to play one game, but again another local junior. Jennings's few games I, I thought they were pretty smart considering their salary cap and what they had to work around in the offseason and upgrading and signing. The few of the guys they brought in on the cheap played for them. Like Eisenhuth played, you know, good amount of games for them. Sorensen turns out to be a piece of their grand final setup. Jennings and a few guys they reached for on very low wages the few times they needed him did a job for them. So in, in that regard, it was a real positive. And then from the standpoint of losing the grand final and losing a couple of players can they take a step forward? And they did the move with Burton coming into the centres. Um, then as things developed across the year, you know, Crichton was like the best centre last year and everyone was freaking out and they flipped what side of the field he's on. And then when Staines was struggling to mould it and say, well, Crichton can go there and help us in yardage and still have an X factor. And Momorowski, who's been, you know, at the last three premier clubs, goes there and finally gets a chance to start and, and show his worth. We saw the continued development of Nathan and Jerome and the way they played during Origin leading New South Wales and in particular Nathan like second year in a row this year without the shoulder injury I have no doubt the, you know the Daly M's here and you full credit to Turbo he won it off 15 games worth which is crazy the points he scored but Nathan now and the way he performed in that game he's the best halfback in the competition there's not an argument there's nothing about DC anymore or who's the best seven he's the best seven in the competition Fisher-Harris when he was healthy. They, they had injuries. They had a lot of things they had to work through. Mm. But their depth, you know, their depth shone through. And their resilience at the back end of the year, the fact that they, you know, had a tough final series the year before in that they had a couple of close games against South and the Roosters. And then they had that tough loss against Melbourne. They had a really strong start to this year. And then they, you know, they had that origin experience. But then from there, they had to graft and grit away and, the reason why they know how to graft and grid away is because they've got those miles in the legs now and they've got that experience mm. as both a team and a club. And, you know, having gone through those 20 successes and New South Wales Cup successes, they know how to win. Winning's not an issue, but it was just learning about how to do it consistently at the top grade. And, you know, they've gone and climbed the mountain and, um, you know, they deserve their premiership victory. Yeah, and, and under duress, like we said. But now it's going to be about filling those few holes they've got and mending up the injuries and, you know, trying to make sure that they they put themselves in that top four position next year to, to have another two without it to go back to back next year. Yeah, and I think the hard part as well, when you look at it, they've got the best halfback, in my opinion, the best lock. Um, you know, they had one of the best nines, not the best, but one of the best nines, most definitely... Um, you have Burton, who was the, probably the best centre this year. Fisher-Harris was the best prop before his injury. Now you're starting to see, like we said, the takeaway in terms of when these guys hit these heights and you blood these guys and you've got to redo contracts. So far, they've won most of the battles. They've got Crichton locked up for a couple more years. They've got Fish till 26, Laney for a couple more years, Luai till 24, Yoda 24, Nath till 24. 
they've locked up sort of the core, but it's that point we just spoke about, being able to reach for the depth, being able to make those signings to get things over the lines. Like, Matt Burton's not going to be there anymore. So you don't have the benefit of a starting half who's also turned to such a quality player that he turns out to be, you know, possibly the best centre in the competition. And I, I think at a pinch... He could have played one. I think he could play back row in a couple of years when he gets bigger. He's just that good at football. That's going to be a real understated loss. Catewell, someone they picked up on average money who's been awesome for the last two years and turned into a rep player. That's a big loss. They've got someone to fill it with Martin, who's naturally been playing there, and with kick out him, they're going to have to play both sides of the field. But it's just another luxury they've had this year to be able to play him off the bench and use him however they want. Um, that's not going to be there anymore. Naden wasn't a big part of this year, but again, it's still depth. Pungo Jr. late in the year, um, you know, if he was there and didn't have the family issue off the field and was healthier and ready to go early, I'm sure he would have made a big impact. But again, it's not a big loss because they didn't really have him. Um, and in terms of off contract for next year, they're pretty much almost sorted. They've got Tyrone May, Jamin Salmon, and Sunur Taruva, who was in their development contracts. Um, I'm sure all those guys will, won't cost them a whole lot. I don't think Tyrone May is exactly going to be demanding huge money and I'm sure they'll keep him around for the utility value um, but it's more what's coming in next year and again what they do with the little bit of room they do have because they don't have a lot of room um, the only two confirmed signings so far are both internally Thomas Jenkins who was a Jersey flag centre and winger from the country I think he's from the young cherry pickers watched him actually play two years ago when I went to visit one of my old roommates out there and he told me that he was going to Penrith before last year um, he's gone a hell of a long way because he was playing cup before things got cancelled. He's now signed until 2023. And obviously, uh, MG's young bloke, Mav, who started the year in flag, started to get uh, named as 18th of the cup but didn't get to play a game. He's now been upgraded until 23 as well. But I think they're both development players for now, so that means you can't play until after round 10. So um, Kurt Falls, a young bloke we coached at Brothers, he's upgraded to top squad next year. He's probably going to have to take that role that Burton did as the fill-in half, but, you know, he's mid-20s, a lot bit of a late bloomer. He, he's someone that's probably going to be called upon at origin time if they lose both their halves again. And uh, they've also got Brendan Hands, who was a development player this year. They've got an option on him where they want to keep him for next year. He's sort of come through brothers as well as a half, but has been more playing as a nine in their New South Wales Cup setup. So um, when you look around, it's, yeah, again, more... Who plays where? So with Burton gone, you assume Crichton goes back to the centres. On the left, you'll have still Momorowski on the right. You've got Toto on the left with Critter again. And on the right, I guess they're going to decide whether it's Taylor May. Do they give Staines another crack? Uh, does Rob Jennings get a go? Like To be honest, I was pretty impressed with the yardage work of Taylor in the, in the game he got to play. Um, but that'll come down to an off-season. The back row spot, Martin comes in. But with him moving in from there and Obviously, Pangai moving on, your bench needs to be filled. So they'll have Lanu still on the bench. Um, they'll have Sorensen still on the bench, but they've probably got two bench spots they need to fill. Yeah, they've got a few holes to fill, so they'll yeah. push, them, uh, push them up through New South Wales Cup, which is the way that they do it. And then, as you said, they've got a few that they've signed a development contracts that'll, that'll roll through underneath them as well. So hmm. well, I uh, think... they're in a great position. I think Jermaine Hopgood uh, impressed me. I think he'll be one of those guys that maybe gets a look in for one of those bench spots. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there'll be one or two late signings possibly in the off-season. 
some dollar dazzlers that they'll try and get through. But for the most part, we know where it's coming from. It's coming internally. They would have been filthy, I'm sure, that the comp stopped mid-year because their flag team was looking good. They would just get to that point where they will starting to bump a few of them up to play some New South Wales Cup. So that sort of stunted that chance. Um, and then, yeah, they had a few guys named in the the Australian Schoolboys Merit Squad the other day. Again, they're, they're further away, but it just shows the production line that keeps coming. I think Lachlan Blackburn was named in that. He's a young back rower who played centres as well. Uh, you got Riley Smith, who's a hooker, who I haven't seen a lot of, but I've heard a hell of a lot about him from a lot of people. He got named in that squad as well. Um, there was a young front rower, I can't remember his name, which I apologise, but the one thing we do know about with what they've got set up there, there's always going to be players coming through. Yeah, correct. Um, and why I think about it again, I just forgot the name. Uh, Tago is another one who's up for the bench spot, I guess. Been able to play sort of as an edge or a middle if need be. He's pretty dynamic. He can play as a centre. Um, but I'm sure guys like him, hop good at that, they'll be looking to try and take advantage of the situation and step up into the team. So, yeah, we'll see if they can kick on um, with those challenges, I guess, because we know they're going to be have a lot of guys playing Origin again. And then the harder part is starting the year possibly without Nathan. We just said it. No, uh, no Matt Burton. So Nathan has surgery. Full Rico is usually six months. He won't have it probably till the end of this week. So where's that leave us? We're start of October. He's having it mid, mid-week. April. I think Ponga had it same time last year and missed. He missed six rounds this year. So Nathan will be touching go, I reckon, for the start of the year. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine he'll sit probably the first month out. Mm. And it's it's big in general for them because there's a lot of guys like Fisher's knee. There's going to be some guys who they're going to come back late. They're going to be off the back of surgery. So uh, maybe a slower start next year. But, yeah. Obviously, uh, like we said, they had to do what they did. They had to take this opportunity before this window closed. Had no doubt, as we talked about, they were going to needle, do anything they could to get all these guys in the field to make sure they took advantage because last year's results and losing accelerated their contract window and that frame on your depth chart where everyone starts attacking and managers come asking for pay rises and um, it certainly pushed up the timeline for Penrith to need to get the job done and thankfully they did. And there you go. That wraps us up there. I think the only thing I managed to remember, uh, we finished doing the grand final. We didn't talk about who best players were. You, you were happy with the Clive Churchill going to Nathan? Yeah. Yep. I, um, I, could, have, I could have lived with Burton, Yo. I thought Dylan Edwards was underrated. What he did, Happy Coruscant was good. Ty was good as well. Ty was unreal, yeah. Yeah, I thought, similar no, to you. It was a real clear, like it wasn't a slam dunk winner. No, I thought... But I just think the game... We just said the game was decided by field position. Yeah. And who was the player that determined field position? It was Nathan Cleary. Yeah, and to come up with only one bad kick out of, like, 19, 20 kicks he had, um, he was outstanding. Uh, the, the defensive moment, like we said, it's sort of a blip on the radar when you look about the position he constantly put his team in. Live last night, I said to you, I, I, I thought Luai had a few more of the kicks probably just in the motion of watching it live, you miss a little bit. I thought Yo was right in the mix, but after re-watching it today, when you're not in the moment and just watching him kick him to death, I thought, okay, now I can understand a bit more. Yeah, that too. (laughs) I I swear Luai took more kicks. I was like, Luai kick half those. I was blind. (laughs) It was excellent. Uh, From the south side of things, if if they would have got the job done, I I think Cam Murray would have been pretty well close. He had a Huge game, I thought, defensively and late that run and the bust. 
he made 52 tackles without a miss. Um, you know, Cody Walker, I know he came up that pass, but again, he generated a lot. A couple of line break assists, scored one, laid one on. I thought Gagai, to come back from the head knock, he had 10 tackle breaks and was awfully busy. Um, and Tom Burgess off the bench was another one. thought he had a really good game. Kalama Tungi's intent defensively. Yeah, if it would have went that way, I think we're being closer to maybe saying uh, maybe a Murray or potentially, yeah, Cody Walker if he didn't throw that pass. Yeah, fair. There you go. Season review done for the Panthers and the South Senior Abados and grand final review. The 2021 season has ended. The Penrith Panthers, after just exploding last year and falling one short, come into this year, run the gauntlet with all those injuries after the tough period. It was looking very, very shaky. South Sydney, like we said, uh, after being written off, explode and find their way after two good wins to the grand final and just fall short. But uh, congratulations, Penrith Panthers 2021 NRL premieres. We have one more podcast left to do, Boxhead, which is uh, our award show and our team of the year. Probably back end of this week, maybe Thursday. Yeah, sounds good. Give it a couple of days for uh, this to be listened to and reviewed and air out, and uh, we'll come up with our team of the year and a couple of those awards, and that'll wrap us up for the 2021 season. It will. But uh, again, huge thanks to everyone for listening to the podcast. Uh, really good feedback. People liked the the video clips and the cuts to put a bit of vision to what we talked about. It's it's really can time-consuming thing and I know I've had inboxes before people asking can we use vision or videos and photos and do everything it'd be awesome to do a lot more of that sort of stuff um, if time permitted but obviously grand final week um, you know try to get something in for only having to focus on on, on one game but the other thing as well before because we've also had people say can we commentate games or do live casts like a lot of this stuff is copyrighted and pages have gotten trouble for and been sent cease and desist and unfortunately there's a lot of stuff you can't use otherwise we probably would do a little bit more with video and other bits and pieces but um, the other side's just time we're unfortunately not not full time I've explained to a few people before it's, it's definitely not a full time job I wish it was uh, but we'd love to do a lot more of that stuff if it was possible but yeah it's just uh, it's very time consuming yeah but huge thanks again to everybody out there and your support and a big thanks to our sponsors bluebet.com.au if you're going to bet with anyone there is no one better than a true blue bookie in our charity account we had Cleary for the Clive Churchill so that's some more money to the kitty um, the other one we had was a, a Toto first three tries and win I think and unfortunately that one didn't pay but I think we fall just short of the thousand dollar mark maybe just I don't know the exact number but you got us a good winner last week we are both on Cleary I think we're in the mid 900s so pretty good way to finish off oh, yeah. but if, again if you're going to bet with anyone do it with a true boo bookie they supported us they support our charity bears of hope bluebet.com.au visit the website or download the app today and Penrith Solar Centre obviously uh, they were on board with the Panthers but it's that time of the year daylight savings ticked over on Sunday night so tackle your rising power bills head on with the help of solar energy there's no one better to do it with than the team at Penrith Solar they're passionate to help you sin bin your electricity bills for good. Find out how they can make you the real winners this season. Visit their website, www.penrosolar.com.au or call Jake and the team today on 1800 And, uh, yeah, get on board. That boxhead, huge thank you again, and uh, I'll talk to you later in the week when we finish things off with our award show. Sounds good.
Sounds good. Everybody out there, hope uh, if you're a Panther fan, congratulations. If you're a South fan, commiserations. But hopefully everyone just enjoyed the game. It was an absorbing contest. It was a cracker game of football. And now the countdown is on until the 2022 NRL season. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? What's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.